Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we're spouting off about mm, some gamer Wendy. Yeah, Matt's going to chat with me about my gaming journey and how it's all his fault. So let's get into episode 74. Well, with me today is just Matt, my one and only gamer friend. Well, I guess Nate is a bit of a gamer friend, but more of a retro gamer friend. Well, Matt didn't show up last week because he forgot to turn off his game, and now we're missing Nate. I think he's a little bit too busy playing with his Christmas lights. Welcome, Matt. I guess the Christmas lights are Nate's game. Hmm. Definitely Honestly. one of them for sure, and a massive project he's got going on. And we'll be honest, I probably forgot to pause my game. You're correct. <laughs> because, well, I don't have it up anymore, but I did used to pause my game to be here. <laughs> used to, used to, and now not so much anymore. <laughs> no, in fairness, no, what actually happened is totally my work schedule just got crazy and I ended up. Mm passing out when i got home and overslept totally on me <laughs> yeah life happens and we understand exactly that especially with crazy schedules and everything but you have some good news for us when it comes to the vitari vcs that you've donated yes so um I accidentally muted you thinking I was muting myself. So you're going to have to start that over. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, I know you want to make a Matt quiet, but that's what your husband's for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I do have some good news about the Atari VCS. Uh, so I have not upgraded this yet. Um, that has been something I've kind of refrained from doing currently. Uh, just to see if the default experience is going to be different from the Chimera OS experience. Just like the how they interact and stuff. So I have the Atari VCS on scathed and untouched and all the other stuff other than hooked up to a tv but this is the modern controller for the vcs um the other one's still boxed up in the somewhere over there um, so the good news is i talked about the wi-fi not working like like at all no wi-fi at all no our no ethernet no nothing nothing ain't working unless well ethernet actually correction on the ethernet it worked if you were plugged in prior to boot on Camaro OS. I'll own that one because I did not check until much, much later. <laughs> um, but uh, so I had started a discussion on my Camaro OS uh, Discord channel with them and just kind of going back and forth and, you know, with the hardware and all that stuff and doing some like different test thing just to give them some reports and stuff. I'm not the, and I'm not the only VCS user giving them a hand either. So 
But what I do like is the fact that when I pop into their sub channel for uh, GitHub, one of the things I saw was uh, I believe the GitHub was tagged no go VCS Wi Fi <laughs> is how they tagged it. Um, and then as I was going through the ISO releases and like what the new commits and all that stuff were, I saw um, something labeled like VCS quirks or quirks about just stuff not working. And so it's, it seems to be getting added at least testing wise anyway, into the ISO on the builds and all that stuff. So I haven't installed it yet. I'm still waiting for the uh, SSD to show up before I can test Chimera OS on this one. I know I will eventually be testing it on the other VCS that I have, but right now and that's already the upgraded one. And so hopefully, That'll see some improvements for the default experience of the VCS on Camaro OS. So that, that's uh, was nice to see. And I was like, th- this is kind of the one of the strengths that I love about like the open source stuff where it's like, hey, I have this weird hardware and it don't want to work. Why? Now, if this is like, you know, Windows or, you know, insert super big company here. They wouldn't give me the time nor day <laughs> unless the, the the hardware OEM decided to support said system. But they're imp- trying to implement this in less than, what, two weeks? That's that, that's pretty good turnaround for non-existent hardware support, essentially. <laughs> so you are saying that you do own two Atari VCSs. <laughs> one of them has been upgraded. The other one you are having new hardware come for. So last time mm-hmm. we talked about this, you made it sound like you only had one, not that you had no, two. No, I had two because the other one was coming to me to upgrade. So therefore I can send it to somebody. Okay. So that way they actually have the hardware. This was and so an I upgraded could, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what it is, is the, the VCS chips would fairly well, limited specs if you're looking at it from a pc and it ships with like yeah 32 32 gigs of like emmc storage and eight gigs of ram so i want to give right. them the most hard most out of the hardware by upgrading the hardware before i send it off to, for them to poke and prod and play with and do all the other okay things. that makes sense because i thought it was going directly from no, where no, you no, bought no. it to the devs not to you no, first and then no. out uh, no, unfortunately, it has to come to me first in that regard because I the default experience on the VCS with the limited hardware because it's only a dual core four thread system too. So yeah. like, it's not like a super high end powerful system. So I want to give them the best dev environment to poke and prod at. Can. Yeah, then I'll send it away to them so that way because. Um, there's a way to dual boot and everything else while still leaving Atari OS so that they can poke at the Linux end of Atari OS to figure out what's going on there and what makes it work. So that's good. It, it, so it's, it's very much a, um, interesting device. And the fact that it was under 200 bucks, I was like, you know, for something that not a lot of people are going to like, like, like the default experience is kind of, uh, if you're looking for a console experience, I would not recommend it. If you're looking for a piece of hardware that you don't mind tinkering with, then it's it's fine. That's um, fun. It, it's yeah, it, it's not a Steam Deck. Like I know when he's going to go conscious when I say <laughs> the word Steam Deck, but uh, it's not an appliance like a Steam Deck in the, mm. that comparison. So it's not just out of the box 
it, it feels like a Windows device almost because it's like, oh, got to download all the updates and then it restarts and download more updates. And then re- then it's like, why am I seeing yeah. a firmware update? Like I'm seeing a firmware progress bar. Like for a gotcha. console user, that's not a great like the, the demo. It, it's not a great experience in that regard. They're making yeah. improvements. I'm not, I mean, it's a small company. Like Atari is not the Atari of the 70s and 80s. Like this is like a 40 person company at most. Mm. So, oh, wow. The fact that they are shipping software games and, and OS and doing a lot of other things that a lot of other companies that are roughly bigger, you know, that do hardware that costs $1,500 to $2,000, um, <laughs> <laughs> that I would say pretty good. In yeah. comparison, at least it works. Yeah, we're not going to name but, names, but everybody knows who you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I love a LeBrick. <laughs> but while I'm messing around with uh, the optimization end of software and video game related stuff, Wendy, you're actually playing video games. Okay, I'm going to ask this again because where is Wendy and what have you done with her? Because Gamer Wendy did not exist when we started this show right gamer wendy did not exist when we started this show it definitely did not exist when i jumped into the world of linux in general so i think that has flavored my outlook on games but we'll get to that a little bit later i have been playing phasmophobia some more it's kind of the key game that i've been playing right now and so we're recording this on september 11th so on september 10th I jumped into the Discord for the patrons and said, hey, you know, my daughter and I are going to play in about an hour. And then I did drop our room code in there. So it was a private room, dropped the room code in there. So anybody who wanted to join us could. And then I streamed the game in the patron-only Discord chat. I plan on trying to do that a whole lot more. So if this is a game you're interested in playing, then feel free to jump into that channel, pick up the code when we're playing. I will try to give at least an hour's notice before we're playing because I know that, you know, people are busy and we're on mountain time. And I can't remember if I put in there. I think I did. No, I don't think I put in that time at all. I just said, hey, you know, in about an hour, we're going to be playing. And I know our friends over in Europe, the other side of the world, that's probably a little bit too late for them most of the time. But it is something I'm going to try to do a little bit more often. I can't give you an exact schedule as to when it's going to happen. My life is still so crazy between robotics, schools picked back up. Um, I'm actually editing more than just Linux out loud now on video. So even though I would like to say I've got all the time in the world to play games, um, I am squeezing it in there. And so we'll just fit it in whenever that happens. And I will try to give half hour to an hour warning. But if you would like to play with us, if you'd like to play with somebody, then just a, a random group of people in the Phasmo forums. If you're new to the game, I'm not opposed to anybody new jumping in. There will be no looking down upon you because you're brand new to the game. Anybody is welcome to come play with us. Um, My daughter and I have, because it's just the two of us that have been playing together most of the time, we do kind of have a flow down in how we do things, but it would be more than welcome to have somebody else jump in, to have an extra set of hands getting stuff in and out of our haunted house. We might even tackle 
some of the larger maps more often if we had a little bit more help than just the two of us. So there's a call of a community if you want. And you're, of <laughs> course, playing this on Linux. Yes, yes, playing on so, Linux. I want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, both of us I mean, are playing on Linux. My daughter and I are both playing on Garuda systems. So, so there you go. Yeah. So having done the, the live streaming stuff and schedules, yeah, it, it, it's tough. <laughs> it, it really is tough. Um, yeah. I would love to get, I would love to get back into streaming on a weekly basis, but it, it, it's tough. When, now, phasmophobia is a uh, fun, like, I don't want to call it asymmetrical or like multi kind of componental online game, but like it, yeah, it really is. But it's one of those games that if you get the right group of people, it can be really, really, really fun. And that's it the can element, be a lot of fun. And that's the yeah. element of a lot of those games that I like. But then, like what you were mentioning, like I don't want to play with randos or random people. Like it's just not my thing. Yeah. And the fact that you're being, as I would say, noob friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it, it is cool because realistically like it's kind of like Linux we, we all started uh, we all started somewhere as a noob doesn't matter if it was your disco yeah. of choice or from the CLI as, of choice so uh, definitely cool to see um, I didn't because like, I did notice you in the discord and I was like mm-hmm. I'm at work unfortunately so I can't really jump into this <laughs> can't I mean, join I, in I probably could have tried. Actually, now that you got me wondering, I'm going to see what it, what the status on that is on the Steam Deck is. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm sure you might be able to play it on the Steam Deck. So one of the interesting things about Phasmo is you can play it from a keyboard. You can play it from a controller. You can play it in VR mode. I know it has really good controller support because I play on a keyboard, but my daughter and, well, actually... All of my kids that play prefer to use the gamepad when they're playing. So just check ProtonDB just to see what the status is officially on the Steam page anyway. And it is 100% verified for Steam Deck. So Heck yeah, that's super awesome. Not surprised because it's been playing flawlessly on Linux through Steam and pretty flawlessly with controller support. And this game is still in early access. And I would say if you want it, pick it up now when it's in early access. Because they've already said when it comes out of early access, the price is going up. I think a lot of people don't tend to realize like, oh, why is early access? Why is it like a lower barrier to entry for early access? A lot of that's to get people to basically, as it bad as it sounds, to test the product. Right. And t- test different right. aspects of it. Now, there have been studios that have done the opposite and made the price really, really high. So that way they know that the people that actually want to play it are going to be the ones to you know play it like they're the hardcore. Right. But um, I think uh, <laughs> early access is an interesting thing. But anyway, no. Uh, so I might have to go buy it. Uh, like I usually don't buy EA games. very, And I don't mean like electronic arts. I mean like early access games very right. often. So. I think uh, uh, you, you might. Usually, <laughs> I might convince you. Usually, I'm the one to make good mentions here, not not the other way around. Dang, this I really game haven't. is really pretty polished already. They had a great big release not too long ago that added some really really awesome features to the game, and they plan on updating some other things, some character models, adding more maps to it. And right now, because there was a massive 
update, I'd say it was like the middle of August, um, there seems to be hot fixes, bug fixes happening pretty often right now. And the community themselves, Phasmophobia has a Discord channel that you can jump in and they seem to be really, really receptive to community feedback. So one of the things that happened is in the game, there's a voodoo doll and he's been nicknamed Frank by some people and my daughter and I have now using that nickname for him. So originally when we first started playing, Frank was floppy. And then after the update, he was stiff and it felt really weird to pick up the voodoo doll. And he was like this rigid stiffness. And the community was like, hey, we love all of these other updates, but make Frank floppy again. (laughs) And he got his jiggle back. Out of curiosity, have you guys played it in VR or are you just playing it in 2D? Because I know it's a VR Some supported. of my kids have played it in VR. My daughter's played it in VR a little bit. She says it causes some eye strain for her. But my oldest son has played it in VR the most. He actually really, really enjoys it. And there's some cool aspects of the game that you only get in VR. So in VR, you can hold two different items at once. Whereas in regular mode, you can only hold one item Uh, The downside to that is you actually have to pick up your mic and talk into it. Whereas for me, I can just hit a button on a keyboard. So definitely a different overall playing style, but it does seem a whole lot of fun. Yeah, that is definitely cool. Um, And I do like the fact that receptive to feedback, which is always a positive because that means Mm -hmm. they're actually active and involved in the community. The fact that there's almost a half a million actual Steam reviews on this that are basically overwhelmingly positive for an EA early access title, it makes it really, really really, um, compelling compelling (laughs) as far as that. And honestly, the price at right now, it's at 14 bucks, 1399, whatever it is. That's actually not that bad. I've paid more for worse games as far as like yeah. content wise. So, um, and like I'm talking what are supposed to be final release full recent games. So that, that, that's, that's not bad at all. I, I think we're so used to the sticker shock of, you know, 60 now $70 games that it's just, if you, if you buy new, I'm saying like, uh, generically, yeah, I, yeah definitely. <laughs> Generically, I'm usually a cheapskate when it comes to games, and I'm always looking for the cheapest deal I can possibly find. Right. And I know this game is coming to some different consoles. That release has been put out a little bit. They wanted to drop it in August with this latest update, but they're having some issues with getting things switched over to console. So if you do want to play it on console, I think they're hoping sometime here in December or October... Maybe it's a little bit later, but they are working on dropping a console version as well. If you're not as big of a fan playing on computer. Very cool. Very cool to hear. Uh, so that leads into the question, though. How did we get Gamer Wendy out of all of this? I have to say it's 1000% your fault because I was not into games at all. Not into games. And then... You and I got to talking about a little bit of games, and I'm like, oh, you know, if it doesn't work on Linux, psh, I'm not interested. And, and of course, you had the, well, I've got some <laughs> options for you. And it only got better and better as, like, Steam came around with Proton and Proton getting better. 
And then every single week, you seem to drop more options. Now, not all of them are my favorites as far as what's on the show, (laughs) but it's behind the scenes where we're like, hey, by the way, have you seen this game? But at the same time, I have to admit that my husband was looking for a particular kind of game. And his response was, go ask Matt, because (laughs) this is what I want. And he probably knows. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... <laughs> I came up with something close to what he wanted anyway. Yeah. Uh, and and I think it was pretty good. Yeah. Well, given what the criteria I was given, I was like, well, there's like limited games that are basically turret defense games that I can think of. <laughs> and yeah. See, and this is the thing that I don't think a lot of people get is what I end up doing is the the show recommendations, and I haven't been doing as many of the overall game recommendations as I was. Um, the show recommendations generically be tend to be more broad based as far as just like the overall general vibe of a game. Whereas like recommendations I give to you or it's like, oh, this is good for the like specifically your family, your kids, your gameplay style. Like it's much more tailored. And that's kind of how I go about those recommendations because half the recommendations that I would make on the back end are very like uh was it override as an example like uh, that is a very tailored res- game i was like oh hey you want to play like rock'em sock'em robots on computer here you go uh, <laughs> so it, it's stuff like that where it, it's a very tailored experience i take no blame <laughs> <laughs> And it's through that tailored experience that I've actually found some games that I've enjoyed and kind of branched off. I think Inner World might have also been a recommendation from you. I really, really liked that game and then played the sequel to that, enjoyed both of them, which led me down the road to Candle because it was somewhere in that kind of cartoony style. Inner World is a little bit more point and click. I did really enjoy the storyline. The only thing that I didn't like is sometimes the conversation between characters took too long. And so I was like clicking my way through the conversations because I could read them way faster than they were saying them. And I just wanted to get on to the next part. But for the most part, the storyline of the game, the puzzles in the game, all of that was really, really enjoyable. And so then after your recommendations, secondary recommendations popping up of if you like this, then you'll like this. I found some more of those puzzle style, really pretty art centric games. There's a few more in my cart right now. I can't even tell you what they are. And I'm sure if I ran them by you, I could be like, hey, is this game actually one I'm potentially going to like or not? One of the biggest downsides I found in starting to enjoy games as an adult is I think you get that fast response earlier on in life. I don't have that. And I have had portions of games that my daughter has finished for me. So the first Bendy and the Ink Machine, when you are fighting beefed up Boris, I was having a heck of a time with that one. Like I was constantly dying, getting super frustrated And so my daughter ended up wrapping up that one for me, getting past that stage. I have another puzzle game that I was really, really enjoying until it kind of got to like this parkour part of it where you weren't just solving the puzzle. You had to get the teddy bear 
up and across in certain ways and you had to time it just right. And I kept dying. And finally I was like, forget it. I'm done. I can't hit the button fast enough. I'm not that good with games like that. So just get me out of here. Actually, I died last night in Phasmophobia because my daughter and I triggered a hunt from the ghost. We didn't turn the light on before we go. I am not talented when it comes to moving on the keyboard. Got myself stuck somewhere in the basement and died. It happens. So you want all Blair Witch? (laughs) Yes. Yes, very much so. So I do have to say that I I have a very particular style in the games that I generally play. Well, the, that's the thing. Like, realistically, like, yeah, I tend to be a fan of gaming as a like, generally speaking, like, yeah, like I know kind of the ins and outs of most of the I hate using genres because there's so much genre blend now. It's kind of like music where there's just like so much crossover yeah. and pollination of stuff. That it's really hard to like pick genres anymore. But like I have a particular style of game. Yes, the, the, you know, the anime trophy one that you and Nate give me a bunch of crap about. But <laughs> and it's fun to do. It's fun I'm to really do. Really sad Nate's not right here or not here I, right now giving you a whole bunch of crap about it. I totally own it. <laughs> like I, I have my preferences and a lot of it. Yeah. So for people to understand why I have <clears throat> have that particular preference is what would be considered like Western RPGs. Like mm-hmm. Uh, Western developed RPGs, uh, you know, state yeah. developed side, and a lot of other European developed. Uh, well, I can't say that because there are a few games that I do like, and a lot of that's just because it's a lot of sword and sorcery. It's a lot of Tolkien inspired stuff, so it becomes right. very it becomes very samey in the storytelling of the games. Hence, not a fan because it's very, very much the same. Whereas at least the anime yeah. tropey stuff. It has its cliches and its tropes. I'm not going to say it doesn't. You know, it's like, oh, amnesia uh, protagonist. Like, you know, just like very, like very straightforward kind of like tropes. But anything in a genre has a trope. Um, It's just it's a call to the genre in and of itself. So, you know, it's like the hero's journey. Like that in itself is a trope of everything. Like, Hmm. so for me, it's it's not necessarily just the art style thing. It's more of a the Japanese specific and some of the Chinese developed RPGs tell much more unique and fantasy, like far fantasy based stories that I find much more interesting. But that's just I me. get that because I, I feel that way in a lot of books. I am definitely more in that realm when it comes to books that I typically listen to instead of read mm-hmm. one due to time. Two, I'm open to the fact that I'm not a great reader. I'm a very slow reader. And so audiobooks, I can get through a book way faster. Um, and I feel that way about some of the stories that I find that I, I don't want the same old story again and again with the same kind of magic or the same use case of things. And mm-hmm. I definitely try to find stuff where they do things just a little bit different. And I have found some authors that I really, really like. So if you're interested in which authors I'm currently really enjoying you can hit me up on mastodon i think i've got a network specific email also on my mastodon account that you can drop me a line there if you're curious as to what i'm currently listening to and maybe you'll like something along the same lines i'm pretty open about the games i'm playing right here if i'm playing a game i'm usually talking about it (laughs) on this show and i still take no responsibility for turning you into a gamer totally don't own that (laughs) 
To be fair, I think the first questions came across and I'm like, okay, I'm on Linux. I don't want to dual boot windows. My husband is missing playing video games. What are some of the things that I can install for him? And that's really what stuttered us down yeah, this road I of game suggestions. I basically is like, here's my GOG collection. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> have fun, that, play with it. Check it out. At, at least for the ones that, <laughs> that worked on Linux specifically. Yeah. I have to say it's pretty good anymore. He's got a few games that he's playing every once in a while. He's ready for a new one. Red Dead Redemption 2. He played that one all the way through. And I wouldn't say that one was necessarily his favorite game. More so because he's not as big into the storylines as you are. He's really Mm -hmm. more into the gameplay and, and the action stuff. But he did play that one all the way through and finished it. So... I think right now he's kind of on a list of more mindless games. Well, I've played Plants vs. Zombies all the way through on both mobile and on PC. So I do own it through Steam. I know it's kind of one of those guilty pleasures, I guess you could say. But one of the joys of that one is you can kind of get into a mindless rhythm of it. You're playing a game. It's not super complicated, especially some of like the mini games involved with it. And he's like... I want something like that. And I want to just be able to do something kind of mindless, enjoy a game, not a high stress situation of, oh my gosh, I'm going to die or I have to accomplish this thing. Just kind of do to do, relax at the end of the day, unwind kind of thing. Yeah. Like I, I know for some people, they have what the, a, a new kind of genre is what they call like cozy games, quote unquote. Like they're more, yeah, like, ch- more chill, like more, more chill kind of games. Yeah, cozy is relative to the person. Like for me, like, I'm weird. Like I'll play like a fighting game for like mindless entertainment, like which is not how you're supposed to play fighting games. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Any fighting game fan hearing me say this is going to groan, but it's like, I just want to punch people in the face sometimes. And it's, And that's I can't the mo- do this at work. I can't do this in polite society and public. So I'm getting my aggression out. Exactly. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, when you play like a game like I know you don't enjoy it, but like a game like Doom, where the whole point is just run around, boot people in the face, and shoot them in the face while like gone. Like it, it's very straightforward as far as like it might not be very straightforward when it comes to some of the gameplay mechanics, but like the overall. It, point of the game is just to like you know decimate everything like that's the point of the doom games clear out this entire arena go to the next one do the same thing and i'm fine with that games that make me want to bash my head off a wall sometimes not so much after like a long day work and sometimes honestly i view those kind of games as kind of like me just kicking back and listening to like music or something it's just like it's my way of relaxing. It's it's I love story focused games, but sometimes I just want to totally disengage from everything. And unfortunately, I don't get those games very often as far as much as I'd like, because I know for me, like the last fighting game I was playing, I think was DNF Duel, which is a MMORPG or mass multi an online game um, called Dungeon Fighter Online. So DNF. Uh, but that's very you know, niche and stuff like a lot of the fighting games I play are very niche. And some people are like, Oh, why'd you make that recommendation? It doesn't have this. And I was like, because it's 
it's different. It's just, yeah. Well, welcome to stuff. But, uh, well, and I think yeah. that's probably one of the things that you can get from this show is you do bring some unique options that people may not actually see anywhere else or they may not pop up in their feed normally and can be interesting. It can be nice to just do something different, play yeah, like something what, different. Like one of the games that like one of the fighting games that I like is um, I think it's called Blade Strangers, if I remember the title. It's like characters from like Shovel Knight and like these mm-hmm. really big like indie games or like independent studios, but they're like massively popular, but they're crammed into a fighting game. So it's really cool and it's just mindless. So it's it, it's, it's what makes it fun. And so I enjoy seeing people like even getting Nate more into gaming with things, uh, you know, trying to get them out of 1990. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, there's newer things than the Super Nintendo. <laughs> yes, most definitely. And he does seem to be enjoying some of the newer games. And it is nice to kind of step outside what you're used to playing. Because I have mm-hmm. played a few other games. Actually, Phasmo was a little bit out of my regular wheelhouse than what I was used to playing. And it was my daughter that had convinced me to kind of go down that road. And I really, really enjoyed it. And this is where... I wish more and more games had demos that you could install before you find the before you buy the game because I've had multiple games that I've bought in the past. I had a humble bundle subscription for the games and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, reading the description, that sounds amazing. I install it and I'm not very far into it and I'm like, "Holy crap, I absolutely <laughs> hate this." And I'm almost instantly uninstalling it. And so then that leaves me a little bit gun shy as to which games I'm really willing to purchase. I know through Steam, you do have the ability to download and install it, play a little bit. If you don't like it, get a refund for it. And for the most part, they've been pretty good. But you don't always have that option with some of those other gaming platforms in order to get that refund. And I just don't like to. Like, I don't want to spend the money and be like, oh, I don't like it. And then wait to get that refund back so i know it does leave me a little bit like "Mm, do i want to spend the money to do Mm -hmm. it and i know that's where i actually jumped on board with bendy was because for the original game i don't know if they have it for the dark revival but for the original game they did have a demo out i played the whole demo through and was like yes absolutely i'm totally picking up this game so the nice thing is on steam if i remember correctly there is a filter that if you search, just insert random game here, you can actually filter by demo, whether or not that game offers a demo. Um, Steam has been pushing what they call Next Fest, I believe is N-E-X-T Fest, which is where most of the developers will provide a game demo for you to hmm. download and play. So there's a lot more demos that I'm seeing on Steam than there ever used to be. I'm using industry insider terms at the moment so please forgive but um demos are generically what they call a vertical slice of the game so it's like one portion of a very tailored experience of the game well a lot of developers were doing was what they were doing was called pre like prologue so like game title dot you know colon prologue so it gives you that demo but they're listed as a free game which cool um and they would kind of do like 
if it was a story focused game, it was kind of a prequel kind of deal. But like, it's nice to see Steam like here's a demo for this game, and devs actually putting right. out demos and stuff now because it does give you that try it before you buy it. Because Lord knows, I don't want to buy a vehicle and not at least have a <laughs> test drive. Yeah, exactly. And I know I'm willing to spend more money on a game if I've been able to play the demo, know that I enjoy it and be like, yes, I want to support this game. I want to support this developer and then pick it up afterwards. I think it is a very, very valuable tool for them to use. Yeah, definitely. And I believe if you just go to the tags in general, there should be a demo tag on steam so that should um cool i will definitely be checking that out because i mean you know i need a few more games i would never make game recommendations ever ever never i know you wouldn't never 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 don't be a liar it's not very nice bending the truth (laughs) (laughs) not breaking it just bending it (laughs) just bending it just just tiny itty bitty amounts now, speaking of games, you actually have quite the deal for us this week where you can pick up multiple games in a bundle. One of the sites that I generically go to is a site called Fanatical. It used to be what they call Bundle Stars. Now it's called Fanatical. Um, and the whole idea it was originally very much like Humble Bundle. It started out as a bundle site and then it became like a third party key distributor of. But it's like it, they're all verified. This is no gray market or what equates to the gray market, which is a legal quagmire of it might work and uh, your key might work or might get revoked or you might lose your you know account. Um, so be careful with the gray market sites. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but Fanatical has a fantastic deal right now for some really good games that I generically never see on sale, like sale sale. And so you can get two games for basically 15 by 14.99, or you can get four games for 28.99. Some of the games were like, I don't know who doesn't own it at this point, but it's like Skyrim special edition. Like, cool. Normally that game is, and when it goes on sale, it might be 15 bucks, give or take. Um, depending on the age, I don't know with the new Starfield release that where that's going to put that particular game now. But I definitely think there are some great games in this bundle. Uh, Deathloop is another game that is available, which was originally a PS4 or 5 exclusive game that is available on PC and Steam. Um, so it, it's there are some really, really good games on it. So I would definitely recommend it even if you're only going to get like two of the games, some of the games on there by themselves, even when they're on sale, you're not going to get them at the $725, $750 price. So I definitely recommend going there and getting some games. Uh, You're not necessarily going to find all the types of games you like, but that's what some of the other sales are going to be for on throughout the site because they fanatical has a ton of sales all the time. And not only do they have a ton of sales, but you can get more than games. There are different mm-hmm. software packages you can get, learning packages for different types of coding, all kinds of stuff. I think my wish list on Fanatical is probably the largest of <laughs> any other website like that. Yeah, I was going to say between, um, so Fanatical for me has been 
so when fanatical does like the royalty free music and some of the more mm-hmm. interesting stuff for like video content creation like i'm all about the royalty free music give me some of that because like right I don't have to worry about licensing headaches and all the other nonsense. And mm-hmm. you know, when YouTube will complain about something, it's like, yeah, I already have the license. Go away. <laughs> so the music that we actually use for LOL is from a royalty-free music package that I picked up on Humble Bundle quite a long time ago. And I have been watching Fanatical because I'm always open to more of those. You never know when that's going to come in handy. And so when mm-hmm. we were switching over from and extend a Linux out loud. And I was trying to find something that really fit with the vibe of the show. I actually had this massive, huge package of royalty free music already that I could kind of sort through. And I think I threw you guys out a few samples mm-hmm. before we even settled on this one. And it was nice to know that I could cut it, splice it, do anything that I needed to in order to fit the show and not having to worry about the licensing issues for sure. Yeah, definitely. The nice thing like with those music bundles, as an example, I believe they generically offer them in MP3 and FLAC, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, I know yep. some of them are all FLAC, but most of them are give you both options, which is nice because FLAC really does matter mostly when you're doing production stuff because exactly. you're, you want that clear. It's whether or not it's uncompressed or compressed, depending on how you want to look at it. like, oh, it's not, you know, wave or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's more compressed wave, but it still gives you a wider range yeah. than an MP3 yeah, would. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does. So when you're taking that, you're still keeping a lot of the perks of wave. And so when you go from that to like a, you know, whatever encoder you're using for a video specifically now. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it's nice to be able to, keep that clarity with that with those offerings as opposed to drop it in an mp3 and hoping that it stays at the you know 320 or 192 or whatever bit rate it's going to be at so yeah definitely because it ends up going through multiple processing regardless of whether it is an audio only show or a video only show it has to go into whatever your editor is and then get spit out the other side when you're all done so being able to keep some good quality in that makes a huge difference. It definitely does. Also talking about quality and new things and what we're looking at, uh, you're looking at using your Nikon D720 for recording, but looking (laughs) in a different way because you're looking to not keep it. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm actually thinking about selling it. So I am using... My Nikon D7200 camera body right now to record this. So if you notice, I'm cropped in way closer. Um, everything in the back is a little bit blurrier. I actually don't have the red light on right now because with this particular lens and setup, I was having some issues with it making me look way too red. We'll have to see what this looks like when it comes out. And I'll potentially do some color grading on the back end before it's actually released for the rest of you to see. But there are so many things I love about this camera body. So the Nikon D7200 came out, or at least was announced in April of 2015. And at the time that I was looking to go from a very, very basic camera body to step it up, I had a choice between the D7200 and the D7500. And I went with the older model because this has some features that you just couldn't find in the newer version. And I was really sad that they let go. 
So this body has a built-in motor. So for auto lenses that didn't have the motor in the lens, they were relying on the body. This camera body could do that and so many other things. I can't remember what else is in there, but the comparison between the two, I was like, it's worth it to go with the older body than the newer one and pay attention to when you're playing with hardware because the newest one isn't always best. So one of the biggest downsides about this camera body is I've had to work on keeping it awake. Um, I'm also not entirely sure how well my audio and my visuals are syncing up and how well they'll sync up in the back end. That might be a little bit of a headache and I might be regretting using it when I come to the time of editing. And some of that might be due to the capture card that I'm using as well. So getting a different capture card might be really important down the road, but you have to push the button like every 15 minutes, touch something on the camera in order to keep it awake, in order to keep that sensor active and getting that pass through through. And so I know that I would really like to improve my camera quality overall for this show. And then we've got a lot of video coming up for robotics. The older team, the Tesla coils wants to make a video this year. They, there's a video contest part of it every single year as far as FTC, but this year they actually want to participate. And so I would like to help them. I can't film that for them. That's something they have to do on their own, but I would like to help them with the hardware side of things and the editing side of things so they can get done what they want to. And then the younger team, the building Mies, might be doing something with video for their overall project this year. And this camera body is big. It's heavy. I have a gimbal, but it doesn't fit on it really great. It's pretty hard to get it balanced. And there's so many of those Sony camera bodies that are just lighter. They're smaller. They're more compact. So I'm really seriously thinking about selling this camera body and going with a Sony one, which has put me down the rabbit hole of research camera bodies. And it's been a really, really long time since I've actually researched one for myself. I mean, I've had people, even Matt, you've said, Hey, what do you think between these two ones? And I've kind of looked over the the basic specs, but it's been a while since I've actually done a deep dive into researching a camera body for myself. And I've actually gotten really, really frustrated with Sony. I've actually almost considered sticking with Nikon because I found that in so many of the Sony camera line, which their numbering is completely off the charts. Don't think that because the number is higher, it's a better camera. Actually go look at Sony cameras and when they've come out, that'll kind of help you figure out where they fall in the line because their numbering system is totally wonky. It's completely wonky. And then on top of that, you'll have a series of cameras that all have the same sensor, but this newer one can record in a higher bit rate or something like that. It's the same freaking sensor, but one has this firmware tweak that they're not giving to an older camera, which really, really infuriates me because there's so many of the older cameras that could just work just as well, have these better features, but they're not putting up those firmware changes because they want you to go with the newer one, the more expensive one, because it was the latest release. So I found that part super, super frustrating about Sony. But then when I'm comparing some of the specs of the Sony cameras 
to say the Nikon mirrorless cameras or some of the others, they still, gosh dang it, seem to beat them out, which really ticks me off because I don't want to go with the company that isn't giving you full access to the hardware that they know is there. But at the same time, these other companies are making it really, really hard to go with their hardware because of things that are missing. So uh, right now I'm looking at the Sony A6400. Yes, it's still a crop frame sensor. So is the D7200. One of the things that I'm not happy about is my D7200 has way better dynamic range. I'm not way better, but definitely better dynamic range than the A6400. So there's some give and take. If I'm going that route, yeah, the A72, the A6400, there we go, whole bunch of numbers flying around, (laughs) is a newer camera, but there are different specifications that are better on my Nikon, even though it's quite a few years older. So like I said, when you're looking at cameras, Don't be afraid to go with an older camera body. At this point, there has been such a jump in overall camera quality in general that some of those older camera bodies are still amazing. They can still give you amazing picture and video. And right now, I'm really needing something in that video range that with this one, I don't have to push the button in the back every once in a while to keep my video going And this one can't do 4K. So do the kids necessarily need to shoot in 4K? No, because it's not going to be put out in 4K. It's going to be put out in 1080p most likely. But shooting in 4K and bringing that into your video editor allows you some wiggle room to be able to zoom in and do some other really cool things that you can't. The Sony also gives you... 1080p at 120 frames per second. So if they're wanting to do anything where they're slowing it down, doing some slow motion, that camera really gives them the aspect of that. Sony has some lines that are dedicated more for video production in general, but if I'm getting a different body, it still has to work for pictures. And so the A7200 still gives me a viewfinder where I can look at it, makes it easier to take pictures in some aspects. So it still has to be able to do both. And so that that's pretty much the line that I'm going on. The biggest reason for not going with the Nikon Z30 is that the sensor on the Nikon is backlit where the one on the Nikon isn't. So basically what that means, and I might actually cut in an episode of Hardware Addicts here, drop a link in the show description where I go into a little bit more detail on that. But they've taken a lot of those electronic pieces and they move them behind the buckets that fill with light instead of that wiring and stuff being more integrated with the sensor, which can cause some more interference. It can cause some more noise. And even though I'm getting less dynamic range with the Sony sensor, I am getting the advantage of having less noise in that because of just the way the sensor is built. And Sony kinds to be on top of the world when it comes to having really, really good mirrorless cameras and amazing sensors that are in more than just their cameras. Say what you will about Sony and their erratic um, numbering and trying to figure out the product lines. So I'm assuming it's just that this is how they do it. Um, Unfortunately, that's how they've done it for years. They've done it with their phones. 
because well, it'll be like the Sony Xperia I, you know, third edition something or whatever, you know. Crazy <laughs> very, sauce, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. just very weird. So it's, I'm not surprised to see it with their other other lineups. Um, honestly, I think PlayStation is probably their most simplified brand <laughs> um, out of everything. Uh, so no, but I definitely hear you because uh, I know for me, I was looking at the, I think it's the ZV-1. Yeah, Sony, which is yeah, the, that's uh, the one you talked about. Mm-hmm. Um which is the the blogging cameras? Unfortunately, I'm d- d- just not spending that kind of cash right now. Um, I I have other things right. that I, but like the thing that Sony has is they're like Samsung. They have a product for every market. Whether or not it's affordable, yes. affordable is a different argument. But they have a product for every market. Like I would say, the if you're doing content creation, the for video specifically. From what I've seen spec wise and everything else, the ZV1 is probably the best one because it's like a $500 entry cost, give or take, with just the body of the, with just the camera. The ZV1 is pretty good. I was actually looking into the ZV10 and mm-hmm. I didn't do a comparison check between the two, but there was a lot that was the same between the ZV10 and the 6400. It was more the niceties of having a viewfinder and Mm -hmm. that the 6400 actually had some ceiling on the body where the vlogging camera didn't, that it kind of leaned me towards leaning me towards the 6400, which as a a photographer, which photos would make sense, like a a mix of the, uh, uh, as a, but you all, but you also have that mix that, allows you to oh they have this product line that is you know similar right that can but, do both that fits most of my needs when it comes to images still images it, and at the same time is going to increase the quality and production value exactly. of video and give the kids flexibility and hopefully give me an overall better camera something lighting (laughs) is definitely an issue as you can tell right now because i am using a different camera and not the logitech webcam that i have i'm a lot darker on this side i actually had to add more lights to my softbox and um i've actually pulled this monitor a little bit closer but it's still pretty dark over here so I'm also using a full frame lens on a crop sensor body. So right now I'm at 28 millimeters at F 3.8. And I think my ISO is set to 250. So a little bit more sensitive than the base. Um, I, what I really, really wanted to do was to use this cute little pancake lens. This is one of my favorite little lenses from Nikon. It's a 51.8. But because this is a full frame lens on a crop frame sensor, it was going to be like almost 75 millimeters to which like you'd see this much of me at the distance that I have. It doesn't really work very well for video. So right now, technically, I'm at 28 millimeters on that lens. But because it is on a crop frame sensor, I'm actually closer to 47 millimeters on that sensor right there. So I would love to be able to still use these lenses. I would absolutely love to be able to use this lens because 
I could have way more blur in the background. Kind of the advantage of this setup right now is I didn't have to clean up my workspace as much before we started recording <laughs> because it's an absolute mess. I had work to do before we recorded, didn't have time to clean up all I of my mess. And so I can hide it <laughs> with I can't it say at anything. the moment. <laughs> That's good. That's perfect. That's exactly what I want. And that's what I want to keep as we move forward. Plus, you know, just better image quality in general. Definitely trying to up the production value on my end as much as possible. And heck, if I'm getting it for work, it's a tax write off. <laughs> when in doubt, can I write it off? The answer is yes. Yes. yes absolutely. <laughs> So that's definitely what I'm thinking about. That's the road that I'm thinking about going and why I'm looking at the specific model that I am. I am going to miss my D7200 because there are so many things that I still love about it and things that I'm not really wanting to give up. But it's been annoying having to remember to hit the button or when I'm not remembering to hit the button to restart that. I might have to show... I might have to throw in a little snippet somewhere here at the end of this or create a short of when my video stops working so you can see the joy of using a camera body that does go to sleep. Hey everyone watching on video, you might have noticed a little bit of a scene change and the fact I'm in a little bit of a different outfit. Well, it turns out we did have some recording issues on the last one. I ran out of room, and so it didn't catch our outro. Everything else was there. You got the rest of the show, but it's just me jumping in and putting another outro on this for you. If you haven't checked out the video version yet, I highly recommend it. Yes, you're still getting an awesome show on the podcast only, but there are additionals that are in the video version of the show that you just can't get anywhere else. Plus, you get to see our smiling faces in Linux Out Loud. So here we go, and I'll take you out. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video, or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links in the show description. Find other great shows like Fit and Fueled, Destination Linux, Linux Saloon, and more at tuxdigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag, like the gamer-centric I paused my game to be here shirt, or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next time with another awesome sode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it.